Let it go, let it go. You didn't need that camping website anymore. <laughs> 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 Welcome to the Fizzle Show. <laughs> Let it go, guys. Let it go. This is the Fizzle Show, the podcast for a community of creative people working to become self-employed. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. Your hosts are, if we were uh, breeds of dogs, Barrett would be a St. Bernard. Solid, reliable, there to help with a shot of brandy for those caught in an avalanche of entrepreneurial fear and doubt. Corbett would be a sheepdog, smart, cunning, and excellent at marshalling ideas as if they were a flock of sheep. Chase would be a Jack Russell, a terrier, yapping at your ankles, mischievous, full of energy, and eager to please. Thanks for that one, Edwin Goddard. You really shoved me under the, under the bus on that one, pal. In this episode... Uh, how do I know which business idea to pick? How, how are you going to know if one of many ideas is more viable than, than any of the others? We get into that, a YouTube video editing hack. Boy, don't we love just love hacks. Uh, Barrett's LPC strategy and a couple other bits on the show today. I hope you enjoy it. You can follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 81. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Let's get into it. Y'all ready for this? Oh, man, if you could see me right now. You are, what are you doing? I'm just dancing away. I'm amped up. If now. you could see me now out on a sunset cruise. <laughs> I do have to say, you know, we asked uh, we asked you for some uh, suggestions on like little bits we can do on the show. Uh, here's I, I heard uh, a couple good things, but one of my favorites is let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Uh, looking for it from Emma Davies, uh, who said that she wants a, our one cool thing, uh, like sort of to be karaoke songs. Obviously, she yeah, said. she said like obviously it should be karaoke. <laughs> with the song suggested by a listener. I would like to hear I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. And I simply responded, I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> good response. I'm glad you didn't take that one seriously. Uh, that's good though. I love that. I, lo- I love that idea because to me it's one of my favorite bits as well when I start singing a song cuz I'm in Egypt and Corbett just like I I could Corbett I could feel I could like I could feel your energy. That's a lot. That's, I, I don't have any other better term to say than like, you, like you sort of like, like, like this, like sort of mischievous look comes into your eyes and you start, and eventually you start adding it. And then, and then it's, and, and it takes a while for the neurons to fire enough to remember <laughs> what song it was. But then I have this like involuntary thing. I just can't help myself, but it is true. Background. Um, let's see what's going on, guys. I had a, uh, see, I had a shot of espresso. I think my coffee habit's getting a little, uh, listen, my morning routine is getting a little out of hand. I think it's a bit unsustainable at this point. Basically, I try to get up. much coffee? I, no, no. I mean, I, I, so I, I, now I just do espresso. So espresso has like a quarter of the, uh, amount of, of caffeine that an actual cup of coffee will have. Well, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah, tell me about it. But, uh, you know, and I do that in per- intentionally. Like I wanted to go, I used to do a cup of coffee, a small cup of good coffee in the morning, and then a shot of espresso around a, one. 
Yeah, a small cup of coffee will get you going, though. It does. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean. Oh, yeah. So, oh, oh, you betcha. So, <laughs> oh, golly, you're telling me I have a cup of coffee and it's like seven minutes later. It's like, hey, oh, hope we got enough toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. It'll get you going. <laughs> Wow, I think I'm, I'm shorting. I'm shorting my uh, my mic frequencies out here. My, or, uh, yeah, mic sounded fine yeah. over here. Uh, so, but I get up in the morning and I go. To, I go to to my coffee shop every morning now um, because I got to get a, a, out of the house. I don't my, the place where I work in my house, my office, like just isn't really a. You know how it sometimes gets to a point where it's like I can't get work done there anymore. I don't know if you've ever experienced. Yeah, that, but, but it's just sometimes it's just like a mental block. It, it totally is, yeah. and, and oftentimes it's just like. You got to come back into that space and either, I don't know, clean it out or reorganize it or move things around and realize, okay, your mind has to like sort of get uh, get a hold of things before, it, whether you walk into something, you, 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 you don't see what you don't see, but, you're, but something in your, in your consciousness does, you know, like, I don't know, some, maybe it's some book that you really wanted to read and you never did. And I, I have this hunch that like there's just these blind spots that my mind carries the emotions of these things, but I, but it doesn't bring like them to the forefront of my mind, to the, to the frontal brain that just goes, Hey, Dingleberry, do this or something like that. Or there's just too many things that you could, that you have that are, that are saying that to you. Regardless, my morning situation is, a, is getting a bit out of hand because I go to the coffee shop. I have a shot of espresso. It's cost me $4, Corbett. Three dollars for the shot. I'm always going to. What's tip the extra buck. dollar? Oh, the tip. Yeah, always going to tip a buck every single time. I know it's because right? it's because of Square, right? You're like, oh, thanks, Square. Now, yeah, and if I want to tip like, less than a dollar, this is my home, though. I mean, this is really my office. I spend I spend eight dollars a day on an office. Is yeah. what it turns out. Yeah, that's how I do it up to. Yep. And so, eight dollars a day. You multiply that by you know by four or five because the work week, uh, and then you have seven, seventeen. Uh, and then you 17 times <laughs> carry the 30, one, carry the one 17 times four. Cause there's four weeks in a month and you have, and so I'm spending a hundred dollars on, on coffee or something. I don't know. $2,000 a year, Chase. Yeah. But aren't you That's, there for like four hours? I'm there for an awful long time. Uh, you're, I have that, friends. you're that guy. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like, and I'm also, and not only am I that guy, Corbin, I'm also the guy who thinks the baristas actually like him. Well, mm-hmm. and you're also the guy that has people meet you there, so it's like it's actually your office, right? It, it really is my office. And you uh, abuse the bathroom. I well, I'd like to say I help break in the bathroom, Barrett. <laughs> I find that these little messaging bits can can go a long way. Speaking of little messaging bits, uh, we're putting out a course on copywriting pretty soon, and I'm kind of jumping the gun on that because I actually haven't written the script yet. But I have been diving into such great material on copywriting not only have we been i I've, I've realized like i'm much more of a copywriter than i am a designer we uh probably by the time this this episode re- releases we'll have put put out the scott densmore site right corbett yeah, yeah it's think. uh it's it's tuesday of this week right yeah so we we helped scott redesign uh his his website liveyourlegend.net uh so all you living legenders out there uh i can like can enjoy that um and like I, I kind of have this reputation of being like a really good designer, but I think one of the things that Corbett, you if and I, I do have, say so myself, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's I'm not me saying so this. Good, please, it's <laughs> everybody. I mean, I tell them, you know what, you're too much. Tell me more. Um, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> not to not to derail you entirely because I know this is going somewhere incredible. Um, 
But uh, we should have mentioned a while back one of the Click and Clack brothers died from car yeah, talk. It's true. I, I did, uh, what, did. Did someone share that in Slack? Is that where I saw that? <clears throat> no, Which I, is, I just read it. I don't know. It was, it it was super sad. Ago? Yeah. Because, and it's like, when, what Saturday have you turned on the, the, the radio and not heard, like, so you've got a Metro. Okay. <laughs> There's your first problem. <laughs> no, Teresa. But really, you know what you should do is change the oil. Yeah, it sounds like that. Yeah, I would say that too. I'd actually, this is one of the <laughs> rare occasions where I'd actually agree with you, you lug. <laughs> but then you're, but you're smiling the whole time, so it makes it okay. Anyhow, <laughs> yes, that, just happened. that gentleman you just mocked horribly uh, passed away. Mocked? I thought, I like to think ago. I did a pretty damn good impression. And um, yeah, I think everybody knows that show. Been around it, for a long time. They had done like fifteen hundred episodes. Or I something, mean, talk I about talk about like an unlikely hero. That show, yeah, that should like nobody goes. All right, I got an idea for the kids. All right, this is going to be a radio show that changes the way people look at radio. Everybody has a car. <laughs> Three guys talking about car stuff. It's really. Just what do you two, think? It's really, just think? two guys. <laughs> is it just two? I thought it was three. Two. Oh, see, and they're brothers, so, and they went to MIT actually. Whoa. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, but no, it, it is sad. It is really sad. So, um, um, so in the in the in the Live Your Legend site, that's out. You can check it out, liveyourlegend.net. Uh, and what we've done, and what I've done in every single site that I've designed, was starting back, uh, you know, with even even before Think Traffic, I think Corbett, I think I did Paid to Exist before we worked together. Yeah. Um, it was always these little copy bits, these little these little bits of, of copy that were in the sidebar or in the headline or the things that I couldn't just put in lorem ipsum or something like that. It always had to fit the design somehow for me, and those two played together. And so I've been kind of stewing in copywriting for, for uh, I mean, the last, whatever, five years of, of making websites. And... Uh, and things things work. I mean, when we made when we made Think Traffic, we saw a huge bump in conversions um, that first time going from going from what you had before to to the the special version, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, and hopefully Scott's going to see the same thing with Live Your Legend. And, and um, I think you, I don't know, I think you enjoy the copywriting as much as you do the design. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe because more sometimes the same thing. Like like we have a, a, a another course I did in, inside of Fizzle is the Essentials of Design for Business Builders. So it's for people who aren't designers, for people who are just site runners, what they need to know about design so they can make their own thing and not have to spend a bunch of money um, up front, especially in the early days when your design doesn't matter at all. It just needs to be clear. It needs to not screw up the business idea. Your business, your, your message has to come through. And again, the point being, you got to have that message locked down. And if you haven't read Justin Jackson's words post or anything from 37 Signal, Signals, Jason Fried and all those guys about how design is copywriting, your copy is the design of your site, is the efficacy of your site. And design churches it up. Design makes it feel trusty. Design makes it feel like you know where you are, what you're learning, what's next. You feel at home. It does all of that stuff, and you got to be able to do that well. But your copy, your headline, your subhead, all of these bits, the way you make me feel when I read your thing, like you're going like, you know what? We all know everybody wants to get rich quick. We all know everybody, whatever. When you start with something that I can agree with that feels like the kind of person I am, then that's when that that's what makes i think a really good web experience and well and that's so what be, makes a good designer too i think a lot of people um make the mistake of hiring a designer solely based on the aesthetics of what they create without really digging in to find out what their process is and a really good designer's process should involve 
getting to know who the customer is very intimately. Yep. And that's what so much of this course is going to have a bunch more of like, so we have my other course in there is defining your audience. And, and, um, and I think people, by the way, use the term target market more than any other. There's like customer avatar. There's, there's, uh, whatever, just defining your audience in general, which is one that I went with. But I think defining your target market is the one that I've come to like best. So I wish I could go back and, and eventually we will go back and, and rename that course in line with that, I think. But we have a bunch of exercises there to kind of, to get inside your customer's head. You know, like what are they really thinking and feeling? What are they saying? What are they not saying? How can you really talk to them in a way that makes them feel like, oh my gosh, like you just jump off the page and into them versus like them just clicking the back button and going away because it's like, whatever, they're indifferent, which is what most web experiences are like. So in this course, there should be more exercises to that end of, of really nailing specifically your headline subhead and then the body copy stuff and Exact all all that kind of crap. So and I'm excited about it. I'm f- I'm thrilled about it. So that's that's what I've literally had my head inside the rhinos. That's what it looks like. The oh. Oh, the Jim Carrey style. Oh, yeah, that's what I've been in. Um, okay, you guys ready to jump in? You got any? You got any sort of uh, updates for us there? I have a big update. Let's hear it. <laughs> I said yeehaw on the Fizzle Twitter account the other day. Ah, <sighs> crap. Oh man, you know what? the person I said it to was like, uh, that is awesome. And please do that again. I saw that. I saw that. You know, now tell me you're, you're going, you're favoriting an awful lot of tweets, Barrett. What's your, what's your strategy there? The strategy is that you're not going to break Twitter by favoriting a tweet, but you might make a person feel really good. And Ooh. it's a little point of connection and people enjoy LPC. it. And there's no reason not to. Your LPC one of those LPCs, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, you do, and I, I I recognize that as well because uh, sometimes, especially when someone that I admire like favorites something that I like, I'll come, I'll write to them. They won't write back to me, but they'll favorite it. Like it's just sometimes. How do you know if they the favorite world. it? You get email, you get notifications. a notification, yeah. yeah, like on my phone, on my phone. Yeah, Mark Susser did that to me today, and it was great. Well, like, that's cool. a big one. Whoa, you're big time. That, that's big time. BT. So BT just, BB. So, so uh, just with your the- LPC. <laughs> For the kids out home. <laughs> that LPC, yeah, you know me. All right, you know what? For the, the kids need to make it all. <laughs> for the for the kids just, at home, aka uh, honestly, aka there, me. There's enough trouble in the streets, Barrett. In the streets. <laughs> he just repeats it. So many LPCs with you, BB. Oh, man. So. <laughs> oh, God, that's can great. I ask, can I ask Corbett you a question? I was going to say something. <clears throat> for the kids at home, aka me, how do I turn TweetBot into something that will tell me if someone favorites my tweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what you're going to do is you're going to open up your settings in the app. It should be a gear icon located at the upper portion of your dash or at the bottom somewhere. Sometimes you have to hit your navigation bar. Oh, uh, I think I got it. Uh, you're going to find a it. notification setting there. Yep. You can turn on the different bits. I turned it on. I just turned it on. All right, this is compelling radio, guys. Corbett, you have any updates for us? Uh, I got a new iPhone. It's huge. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it in person, folks. You should see Corbett try to get his phone out of his pants. <laughs> yeah, it's if I'm great. in a seated position, it's actually not possible. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's like, oh, I'll check what the sports scores are as he Let leans me stand back up from, the ra- from the <laughs> table. God, I love it. <laughs> it's great. Oh, it looks like my team is winning in the skirmish. Oh God! He puts his phone down. The plate. The, wait- the waiter just puts his foot, his whole plate on top of. Oh, it's sorry, sorry. I thought that was your custom placemat, placemat that you had brought. <laughs> this is where the the knife and fork go. 
All right on the show today, like that segment. <laughs> that was a segment, update segment. I made these videos uh, doing these bag reviews of, oh, yeah. of a handful of bags. And I discovered, I like watched a bunch of, uh, you, but, like learning lesson right now. You ready for a learning lesson? This one's on the house. I'm ready. Um, whenever you want to do something, this goes back to our learning new skills uh, episode, which was I think was a really good one. Uh, anytime you want to learn something, just go pay attention to the people already doing that thing. Okay, like people that you like. So maybe like so for the example I always use is the hand lettering. There's the hand lettering stuff. I could find a, one person that I really like their style. Pay attention to everything that they do. Pay attention to everything they put out. Copy it. Tracing paper. Do it. Right. You learn so much by looking at how people are doing things. So I was gonna. I, I've been interested in how. What, what are we gonna do with our Fizzle YouTube channel? I mean, we're not doing really anything with it. Do we, is there something that we're missing here? This could be fun. I used to love putting out videos and just like doing little things like that. So I, I did a uh, a couple bag reviews that I wanted to do because we also had to check out. Um, uh, I had this. Got this new camera. I wanted to see how these two cameras work together, etc. So I, I watched a bunch of these videos and looked at a bunch of these channels on YouTube that have like 5 million plus subscribers, like Flula, who's one of my favorite, the German, the German, she poops at the parties. Yeah. <laughs> He's that guy. Okay. I love, I love him. And a handful of others like singing Miranda or whatever that are really funny. And then there's a bunch of these just like pretty teenagers. They're just like cute teenagers. Do you have anything that are just like, or just they're just like giving like advice like all right guys like a lot of the, there's some big channels of girls teaching how to do makeup and hair there's also like there's this one guy i can't remember his name but he's just a, a cute little gay guy you know and he's just like this young out teenager i guess he's probably like early 20s or whatever but uh he just sort of uh, plays that card and represents that and he's got a huge audience of people and i found a couple things they're all doing what they call collabs on each other's um uh, whatever they'll each do a video together so miranda sings will do a video with uh like i don't know, taylor something or other right and then they'll so they'll put one for his channel and one for her channel so that both their audiences sort of smash together like the hedron collider and now and then hopefully they get more subscribers each way it's a fascinating world that i i literally had never seen before but i was paying attention to like how these videos were made and, like what was going on and all of them uh, a lot of the ones that i saw have this like this like drum beat in the background that stops right before every punchline. And so if you watch the videos that we did, I'll, I'll put I'll put a, a link to the to one of them in the show notes. You'll notice there's a drum track subtly underneath that stops right before every punchline. And it makes it feel so much more engaging. You know, just this little hack that way. So anyways. What did Barry call it? A little what? little thing that doesn't break the internet, but um Oh yeah, an LPC. Well an LPC. we got that <laughs> we got a little piece of connection. Was that what was that what it stand for? Mm-hmm. Little point of connection. Little point of connection. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to add that to the notes on these pages that I you notice that I've been adding notes to these episodes? People I like them so, a lot. Yeah, they're good. So you did it's three good. bags. It's good reviews. for the search. Yeah, yeah, I did three of them because I had these three bags. I still want to do this one where I've got. Uh, I went. I bought like a bunch of underwear. I, I bought like ten pairs of underwear, different kinds. I wanted to see which one was best, um, and so I want to do like my reviews of like the the Tommy Johns and the and the X Fisio and the C two U or whatever the ones that actually have a little loop that goes around uh, your, okay. your your gizmo, and <laughs> it's like a male profile enhancer. Hilarious! Thanks for that one, Brett Kelly. <laughs> 
throwing wait, you under the bus, pal. Way to call him out. All right, do we have a do we have a particular purpose for today's program? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So today on the show, we're going to talk about some Q and A. Uh, we're going to get into some Q and A. We've got a handful of questions from people. You know, if you have a question, you can just ask it yourself in your voice pristine quality from your own computer when you go to fizzleshow.co slash ask that's a-s-k uh i would i we love we literally love to hear from you guys and answering your questions we've got a, a, a couple in the pipes now so probably the next couple episodes will be q a uh and uh were you guys ready just to get started with yes. this so ready. do this okay i want to start first off with a, a question from the um from the forums can i can i do this one first from jamie yeah. Yes. He says, uh, I've been trying to start a B2B business, that's business to business, uh, lately because I thought it would be easier to email people instead of taking the time to build an audience through inbound marketing. I eventually stumbled on the idea of helping personal trainers set up their websites as well as providing them with copy. But now I want to actually turn site uh, into a blog where I'll provide online coaching. I've done it before and had good results, but that was only through... Uh, free work for testimonials. What, what does that mean? But that was only through free work for te- Oh, he was His doing free work. His success was just it. doing free work. Yeah. Uh, I never actually followed through with it long enough to get paying clients. Anyways, I just can't motivate myself to go down the B2B route, which sucks. Even though it could bring in money quicker, I'm tempted, tempted to just go with a fitness site and work hard until I'm bringing in paying clients. I'll happily just write freelance articles a few days per week for another X amount of months or years if it lets me end up with a business I'll enjoy. I'm a bit OCD, and I want everything I do to contribute to my main body of work, if that makes sense. It helps me focus my attention onto it. Um, And I think, fast-forwarding my question is, am I right to follow my heart? Instead of an easier and quicker way to bring in money, I'm sure I'll make the fitness thing work at some point, but my master plan is more a pipe dream at the moment than anything else. Uh, I, I like, for, he, he titled this one, for following my heart, following heart instead of money, right? And I read this book, uh, the, a good book on screenwriting, which is sort of hacky, but it's pretty good, called uh, Save the Cat. And he says, one of the worst movie titles of all time ever is For Love or Money. And he says, why, he says, why is that one of the worst money, worst titles ever? Because it could be the title of literally every movie out there. Almost, you know, that has any sort of like career angle in it, mm-hmm. right? Because it, we're all we we all struggle with this problem. We do, but I think it's actually in most cases a false I think dichotomy right. because you're, you're supposing that this other way it's it's a really easy out to say, oh, this other way would be so much easier to make money, so I should just mm-hmm. do that. And what you're really doing is protecting yourself from the realization that. Um, none of this business stuff is going to be easy. And I think that people are afraid for some reason. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago. People are afraid to follow their heart because they're going to get into it and realize that maybe it's not really their true passion in life, or maybe it's going to be so difficult that they don't have enough heart to follow through with it or whatever. But I think that that idea of there's that thing out there that I could just do and make a bunch of money. Yeah, it's usually not like that. I wish there was this thing out there that we could all just do and make a bunch of money. Yeah, um, but they just don't really exist, and you have to put in the time and work, no matter if it's the thing that you like or you don't like. So, as Jim Carrey says, why not follow the thing that you actually like? Yeah, you could. What the quote is is you could fail at something you don't like. 
So why not try something you do like? Uh, and I think a couple things come to mind for me here. When I was working at a startup where we worked, mo- we were, did all B2B stuff, um, working with enterprise stuff, I, I did companies out there. You, you learn a handful of things. You do learn that they have very deep pockets and they're willing to spend on whatever. It, it, you know, it's the more hype, the, the better in terms of getting them to, to spend their money with you. Um, but it also has an extremely long sales cycle. For, yeah. for any, so you can make, you know, $250,000 in a one shot deal. Not just long, but very hands on. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of touch points in that deal coming together. And it makes me think of, I mean, I think there are ideas that are more likely than others to make a lot of money, right? Uh, some are going to be like, you can come up with an idea that's more B2B and it's like a little more like just setting up a machine with all these widgets and knobs and levers and like, okay, we have these 17 points of contact with the customer through the life of the project and we're going to write these 17 scripted emails and we're going to have the gift go out at this time and a gift go out at that time and then we're going to have, uh, these are the points at which, you know, it, you have, so basically you're setting up this systematized sort of, like I watch guys uh, in, in sort of creative making sort of videos online that that kind of place, my buddy's company, Epifio, and Chris Johnson as well. And, and then when I worked at a company called Angel Vision, I just watched that. It's like a machine. And all you need to do is put butts in chairs to press the button to make that machine, that, that part of the machine work when it needs to, etc. right? And there's a point at which, like, you can set up that thing, and now you've got this business, and it just, it, it's like, okay, now that business is going, and it doesn't even need me anymore as the dream, and then you go on and get to do the things you like, because this thing over here is a, what they call a cash cow, right? But, so, and I, I do resonate with what he says about the B2B angle, oftentimes lends itself to uh, something that appears to make more money quicker, or more money, more money with more ease, but it's, it's very much a real job, just like following your heart if it will be successful, will very much be a real job. There's no, I, I kind of have come to a point in life after trying so many different things, and I'm, I've not tried everything, but I mean, really, everything becomes a job. Everything that I've experienced has become a job. And like I've said before on the show, you show me a, ma- um, a woman with a passion about something, I will find you a way to get her to be paid for that thing and watch her turn that into just a job. You know, so uh, I do. I, I 100% agree with you, Corbett. That there's no, you know, golden calf out there of uh, or easy button of finding the thing that that's just going to go super great, and you're going to f- always be energized and excited about it, and you're always. What do you guys think of this? Do you think there is such a thing as balance, or do we will do we just ping pong from one side to the next, maybe in in varying degrees of intensity? How does that, Barrett? What do you think? Uh, I definitely think there are ebbs and flows. I mean, I think you need recharge periods and then you can go pretty hard in the paint for a while and then you got to recharge again. Uh, or at least who's talking about painting? Oh God. Hard (laughs) in the paint is a reference to basketball. And what that means is when someone with the ball goes really hard at the basket to score a point. No, this just turned into super sexual. Like, you're going hard on the paint, you've got the balls, and you're going hard at something? Yep. Forget it. It's a person (laughs) who tries to make a basket in basketball. So, point being... I love how actually pissed off you sound. (laughs) Forget it. Forget it. Just, it doesn't even matter, okay? Life is pointless. This podcast is pointless. I quit. (laughs) You never let me be serious on this podcast. (laughs) This is a serious podcast. That part may be true. <laughs> so, uh, no, but keep going. Oh, so you got to go hard in the paint sometimes. <laughs> yes, I think there are ebbs and flows. And I don't think, 
the balance is over the long term. It's not over today. You know, you can't be balanced in any given day, but over the course of a year, maybe you can have a balance of recharging and then getting back to the work and then recharging and back and forth. Yeah, and it just I, I, I had that thought today as I was in yoga for the fourth time, uh, and I, I just, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I'm only happy when I'm manic, but I also, while I'm manic, know like, oh, look at this, brain chemistry firing away, doing some stuff that isn't true, creating something that's going to be a letdown later on. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the pendulum will swing the other way in a matter of either hours or days or, or weeks. And so it's just like this weird, just like boomerang or like rubber band effect and I'm con- for me, not, not not that it's so intense, just that it's like you go through these these ebbs and flows, and you're constantly, you know, the dream is balance, balance and productivity, balance and health, balance in the way you feel about your life. But chances are that when you feel good about your life, uh, I think it, it, that's just the, that's just like the top end of the pendulum swinging. I think something about our brain chemistry is more attuned to to like if we could just stay challenged. If we could just stay, you know, if we didn't have hot water ever, like we'd probably be like, well, life sucks and that's what life is. So just buck up and do the thing and just, you know, you just power through. You're in the paint. Go hard at it. You've got the balls. <laughs> but I just think human minds are real bad at luxury. All right. So that's our that's our, our, our question from, from hold Jamie. On, let me, let me add and one and more point. Yeah, I gotta, yeah, hold on. Yeah. I got to add one more you're point done. right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so – Regardless, so let me round out what the point you were making back to the point of the question, I think, which is that feeling passionate today does not mean you're going to feel passionate tomorrow. Mm. And what you're looking for is an arc of passion that also solves a real problem for people. Because regardless of which choice you make, whether it's the B2B version or, you know, your passion version, you still have to solve a real problem for people that they're going to pay for. And so no one cares how passionate you are unless you use that passion to solve a real problem for them. I was extremely passionate about the last company I started and we shut the company down because we couldn't make money solving a problem we thought we needed to solve. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, The other thing is, I I think this is a really valid question. If the thing that you think is easy and it's going to make you some money is already up and running. Like if you were, if he was already doing some B2B business and he's like, I'm bored with this. Should I go follow my passion? Yep. And how hard is that going to be relative to what I already have? That's a more valid question, I think, um, because you because it's a real trade off. I have this thing that's making me money right now, but I would rather go pursue this other thing. And there's a big question mark there. Um, yeah, but if you're at the beginning, you don't know which one of those things is going to be easier. Think about the equal odds rule that we've been talking so much about. Mm-hmm. You don't know which thing you try is going to take off. Um, and I get the sense from these kinds of questions that really what he's looking for is just validation or permission or something to say, yeah, go, go do that thing. Cause it'll be no problem. You'll make it, you know, you'll be a success. And we can't tell you that we can't see the future just like he can. And the only way to see the future is to live it and to do the thing and find out whether or not it works. So you kind of just have to, um, do pick one of them, you know, pick the one that seems most likely to succeed and be fulfilling and all that kind of stuff and just do it and stop debating. Yeah. And I just think that the, this, the fact that, that, that Jamie here and that anybody who asks this question is asking it is a good sign. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, of course you, you, it's easy for us to go when we have this thing that we really love. Uh, and that seems so far fetched that we could ever make money from it. 
it's going to, anything else is going to seem like, yeah, I mean, I could easily do that other stuff, but this one would be really cool to do with. And I mean, everything's going to feel much more easy compared to that. And just like you said, Corbett, I mean, the idea of having something up uh, and trying something, so getting as fast as you can to that B2B idea to see what it's like, because what are you going to, lo- what are you going to lose? You're going you're to lose, uh, you're not going to lose anything. You spend six months on that. And what you do, if you, you just learned how to do something in six months, you didn't know how to do before you've put something together and you're going to learn a lot about it. Like, like just like every passion is can turn into a job. Every you, you'll find really wonderful things in every job. I think, that, you know, that, that's just, that's just how it goes. I, I think if you're, if you're lucky, um, or maybe, maybe there's more to, than luck to it, but, I think it's great to be asking this question in general. It shows that that you're alive and that, that you're that you're you're not just like following someone else's lead at every step of the game. So, Jamie, uh, hats off to you for asking a great question, and hope you uh, you figure this out, pal. All right, guys, you want to move on to the next question? Oh yes, yeah. Okay, let's see what do we got here. We've got one here from Sean. Let's give it a listen. Hey guys, my name's Sean Marconet. Um, I just joined the fizzle.co program like a week ago and put my story in the forum where i'm at right now is i just dropped out of my master's program in sports psychology because i feel like i have all the knowledge and the requirements to uh, coach people and i've been coaching people for years now too Um, but i don't really feel like i need the degree so anyway i dropped out and now i'm trying to narrow my niche I've been listening to your guys' podcast a lot. It's been really helpful, so thanks for that. Uh, what I'm finding is that I'm actually really interested in possibly working with entrepreneurs, people like me, people like you guys that are launching products. Or what it sounds like from listening to a lot of the episodes is the a theme that keeps coming up is mindset. And I noticed that in Fizzle.co, you guys have a product all about mindset as well. So I assume that you guys think it's it's pretty important. Um, And what I'm noticing is that I think based on my skills, um, it'd be a good fit to help coach people through kind of the beginning stages of finding a niche, as well as the mindset piece of figuring out how to maintain motivation and uh, set goals and and all the stuff from the sports psych side um, without kind of the business content. So, my question to you, or I guess my struggle right now, um, do you think that creating a product about just about mindset and coaching people through kind of the beginning stages of starting a business, um, getting people to be motivated to do what they need to do, um, and finding out maybe what their niche is, do you think that as a standalone product would be viable with this kind of population, with an online entrepreneur population who's right at the beginning, like beginning online entrepreneurs? Or do you think that the business piece and the experience that you guys bring as well is really what people are looking for? And then you guys actually do a great a great job of coaching people through the mindset pieces. And I've noticed that you have kind of like both integrated, which for me is really helpful. Um, so again, I, I guess my question is, do you think it's viable to just focus on the mindset piece without having the hardcore business building background like you guys have. Um, thanks so much. All right, Sean. Thanks, man. Uh, uh, Barrett, what, what do you think about this one? Um, my initial reaction is that people don't search for someone to tell them how to have a better mindset. Um, and that sounds a little harsh, so let me explain. 
when people join Fizzle, I don't think there's anyone that joins Fizzle because of the mindset course. However, the mindset course is an important starting point for anyone who wants to make the most of Fizzle. And so on some level, we're selling them one thing, which is build a sustainable business to support your family and do creative work while you're at it. And when they get in there, we're saying, hey, you should really start with the right kind of mindset about this thing because this isn't a get rich quick scheme. This isn't a overnight success kind of deal. You got to make sure you're in this for the right reasons. And so for me, um, mindset is a small part of some later outcome. And I'm not sure that people are going to pay you only to craft the right mindset, but I could be wrong and they could prove me wrong and I would be very happy for you. Yeah. Corbett, what do you think? I agree. Um, I think you can always be proven wrong. I feel the same way as Barrett, but it doesn't mean that it's not, you know, necessarily viable. Um, this is the kind of situation where I would probably try to prove this somehow, maybe with Facebook ads or something, um, put something together with this idea, like, um, however you want to phrase it. I don't even know how you would articulate this, what the benefit is necessarily. He's sort of selling more of a methodology than a benefit, I think, when you talk about mindset. What's the, what's the outcome? If I change my mindset, what do I get from that? And I think it's always better to get more towards the benefits than the features or the methodology that you're going to use. Um, we uh, like to take the approach of selling people what they want and then giving them what they need. And I think mindset might be something that people need, but not necessarily that they know they need or that they necessarily want out of the box. And so um, something might be important, but not necessarily sellable. And uh, I think that might be the situation here. The other thing is you, um, you know, you have to find a problem to solve and you have to make sure that it's something people are looking for and that they want, but you also have to have credibility in delivering that solution. And um, if you're just starting out at the gate and you are into, it sounded like he was into sports psychology originally. Um, and now you're transferring that to entrepreneurship I think you can make the case that entrepreneurship maybe actually is very related to sports psychology or that there are things you can take from sports psychology to make entrepreneurs more effective. And I think you would have to address that head on as opposed to trying to um, just sort of gloss over the fact that you don't have credibility yet as an entrepreneur's coach um, or to build that credibility somehow and to say that I figured out how to use a sports psychology approach on entrepreneurs and here are the results that I've gotten from my clients. So a couple other points real quick. Uh, number one is just remember that entrepreneurs at this stage that you're targeting aren't making money yet from their business. And so you've got to either find a segment of the population who has a good job and therefore has money and they want to become an entrepreneur, or you've got to find some other way to get value out of the situation for yourself. So that's number one. Number two, the immediate thing that came to mind for me when I was listening to this question was Tony Robbins, basically. I mean, it sounds like Tony Robbins to me and his whole neuro-linguistic programming and all that stuff. And he started off by coaching athletes. I mean, that was kind of how he got his start in coaching was by showing up when an athlete wasn't performing or when they had a big match coming up and he would help them develop the right mindset to be ready to deliver when that match was you know, actually going to happen as opposed to cracking under the pressure. And that was kind of how he built a lot of his early notoriety. And as he helped some athletes perform better, he kind of moved up the scale of 
famous athletes. And then, you know, he started becoming well known around the world for his coaching in many different situations. And so, you know, you've got to find the right target market for this. And I don't know if somebody who doesn't yet make money from their business is the right one. Yep. Yeah. All good. All good points. I think you guys are really nailed it. For me, one of, one of the things that it makes me think of is, you know, with coaching, I dabbled in, in life coaching for, for a while and, and coaching is, is sort of a weird, um, an interesting mix because anything, anyone can actually hang a shingle and, and start getting paid as a quote coach, right? Uh, just like anybody could as a, as a spiritual guru or a, or a something like that, right? So immediately you'd be, um, trying to gain expertise in a thing that anybody else could gain expertise in that. And you're, you're basically, what's great about coaching is all you need is good marketing to have a product. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't need expert, like your cold questions about Sean. I don't need experience. I don't need this. I don't need that. Your question is actually, do I need the experience, right? But say you didn't, say you didn't, say you didn't, and, and then anybody else can do the same thing. And now you're just competing on marketing in some ways. And I guess I would raise the question, maybe all markets are like that. Well, and that's, that's to sell the initial clients, but you have to have a good product if you want repeat business and referrals and all that kind of stuff. So I don't yep. know that you can build a viable coaching business just on marketing. Well, I wonder how many viable businesses are going out on out there without repeat customers. I think a lot, right? Given that, given the, the massive markets of the internet, I think you could d- create a viable business doing that. I think, you know, guys like, uh, like the, the internet douchebag capitals of the world end up doing that all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do think of for you, um, you know, Sean, Jason Selk is, I heard this, there's a, a, a guy called Brian Callen. He has a Brian Callen show. It's a big podcast. Uh, I found out about him through, he, inter- he had a, an amazing interview with, um, uh, 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 Colbert. Somehow, somehow Colbert knew him or something like that and had a great interview. Um, but anyways, he, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to this episode that he did with Jason Selk, who is a guy who wrote like the, the, 10 minute mental toughness or something like that. It's just an interview that reminded me of, of that because this guy is, it was all coaching in the St. Louis Cardinals and had all these like, you know, mental toughness and mindset type stuff that ended up doing really well. And then he turned a business out of it outside of the actual, the Cardinals. So maybe something to, for you to look for, uh, in that, Sean. But other than that, Here, uh, here's what I do to test what? this. I would, Sean, if I were you, I would sit down and I would write down everything I know about the sports psychology methods you would use to teach someone to have the right mindset about starting a business. I would sit down, I would write that. Maybe it's a 50-page ebook or however long. And then I wouldn't make a website, wouldn't do anything. I would put it up on Gumroad and then I would try to directly sell it to a number of people I know who make up this target audience you're talking about and see if anyone buys it and see what words you use to convince them to buy it in that process. And then you might be able to validate or not validate whether this could be a business on the coaching level. I just think that might be a more solidified way to go out and test the whole idea to begin with. Yep. Yeah. I think you've done, you've done real good there, Barrett. That was a great LPC. Um, all right, let's move on to the, to, let's try to get through these next two here. They're both about sort of like a camping sort of bit. So here's one from James. Hey guys, this is James Davis from summercamprevolution.com. I'm just wanted to leave a voicemail and see if you guys had any feedback on the process around team creation and a new project. You see myself and a group of other, um, kind of small business entrepreneurs are deciding to try to become the super friends uh, in the summer camping industry. And 
it's a little bit tricky because none of us has ever worked on a team this size before. And it feels like in the development of our new project, which is essentially, I don't know, fizzle for camp people, that we're getting a little bit bogged down in the fiddly bits, as Chase would call them in his awesome design course within fizzle there. Um, and, you know, so it feels like we're having these long meetings around what the logo should be or what the tagline is or whatever, what the color schemes are. And we're all aware of getting building in our own projects, but having trouble kind of releasing certain roles to certain members of our team now that we're all working together. So I just wanted to know if you guys had any uh, input on how you guys have handled those processes within Fizzle, you know, all being strong-willed, uh, determined people that had been used to working on your own and now, you know, having to work together and collaborate on stuff that you used to be able to be uh, the final arbiter on. So thanks so much. Love the show as always and uh, keep fizzling. Awesome. Thanks, James. What do you guys think? That's cool. That's probably, I don't know that we've had any other people involved in summer camps before necessarily. Um, mm, yeah. Put in a question. So um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that when everybody seems to be getting bogged down in the fiddly bits, um, it's a sign that there isn't buy-in as to the overall goal, overall direction, overall um, you know, who the customer is kind of questions. Uh, and so people start to maybe push that aside. Maybe they don't even realize how important that is, or maybe it's like just too big to think about, or maybe they think that the fiddly bits are the things that actually matter and that they're going to make or break the project. When in fact, what you really need to know is who's the customer, what problem are we solving? And when you get alignment on that stuff, then those little questions are uh, just more you know day to day details that I think are are easier to sort out and easier to assign. That's my experience from different projects, and so I wonder if um, if James has gone through that process and if everybody feels like they know specifically who the customer is and what problem they're solving with this project. It makes me think of he mentioned in there, and I quote, having trouble releasing certain roles to certain members, and I like that. I wrote that down because. Um, it's something that I feel like, you know, we've never directly addressed here on this, on this show itself. You can clearly tell the different sort of frequent frequencies we operate in, you know? Um, and I like there's, there's something of that team dynamic where you're nobody's stepping on each other's toes. I'm just talking about the show here. And then when we work, there's definitely things that interest me that don't necessarily interest, uh, you know, you Corbett as much or you Barrett and vice versa. Right. I remember uh, back in the day, Corbett, you and Caleb would have these revenue meetings. And for the first couple, I'd like sit, sit in. And eventually you, you just said like, you know, you don't have to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank God. I didn't want to let you down. But I just I have no idea what you're talking about right now. And so I left and like made a comic book or something. I don't know, whatever us creative people do. Um, and what's interesting is sometimes those roles really uh, really, sh- I don't know, express themselves naturally. They just, like, I will find the nooks and crannies uh, where, where Corbett and Barrett are concerned and wiggle my way in until hey, it's no. a nice... Oh, God. <laughs> until it's a nice, comfy fit. It was so warm. Uh, but but at, at, in other situations, that doesn't lend itself that way. I mean, there's there's definitely things on our, on our team and how we work where we have to actually 
say, okay, who's taking this? Because clearly none of us are experts in it, and someone has to run with a ball on this one and, and go deep, deep, deep into the pit. Yeah, I mean, it's easier said than done because we uh, we are able to hand-select our team, you know, really based on personality fit, right? And yep. how well we're going to work together. That's why we choose to work with each other. Whereas yep. in James's case, he's probably just thrown into this thing with a bunch of people that he needs to figure out how am I going to make this whole thing work? Um, and I just think back to like when I worked in, you know, county government jobs or something and you were just thrown into a project with 10 people from all different departments who you didn't know. And people have their little fiefdoms, right? They're like, Oh, this is mine. You know, I need yeah. to handle this piece. And, um, it's, that's where politics come into play. You know, maybe getting to know people, maybe hanging out in a setting other than work. Uh, go out and get drinks or dinner or something with people and get to know them a little bit, break the ice, warm people up, make sure that you're in alignment on who the enemy is, who the, you know, what, who you're trying to save, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you're not playing the trust fall game, then you're not doing it right, James. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would say, Corbett, piggybacking on your answer about you, you maybe, maybe there's, un, you don't have clarity. You're not concrete about what, who your target market really is, what their specific problems are, and, you know, all of the details of that little, you know, quote unquote niche. Um, I would also say maybe you're not concrete and totally clear on what, what the final stages of, of this current mm-hmm. version of the project you're working on are. Yeah. Right. So your next, your, your very next milestone, like what does it look like? What is the MVP, the minimum viable product or whatever it is that you're working on? What does it look like? Is it a website? Does it have a button on it? What does the button do? What do they need to create an account? Do they need to buy something? Do you need to have some way for them to pay you money and reserve their spot? Do they need to have some, like what, it, what are the, ex, like the specific, like the smallest possible amount of things to get something out? and down when you get the team around defining that together a lot of times i find that like okay everybody bring your ideas to the table and then you really got to tell susan that like okay that might be overshooting the moon by by a bit and then terry needs to know that like no there's not going to be an alligator pit what what do you mean an alligator pit there's this is is a kids we can't have an alligator kid kid happening thing right i got some thoughts here yeah, I heard, I heard that inhale. I got a bunch of thoughts. I'll run through them fast, though. Go quick, because we got another one I, I want to get I'll through. I'll hurry, I'll hurry. The first one is, every project needs a leader, a single leader who is responsible for making sure it gets finished on time. If you don't have that, you're asking for problems. Mm-hmm. The, the second thing is, where there is Wait, no... Wait, I like the delivery of that, by the way. The first thing you need to know is there needs to be a team leader. You don't have that... It's going to be problems. <laughs> like it's just like Doctor Steve Brule. Why do you have a leader? You silly. <laughs> keep keep hey, going. It's true. The second thing is, uh, I love the quote where there is no vision, the people perish. And I believe what you just said, Chase, is that if you don't understand where you're going together, it's just a big cluster. You know, whatever. Barrett, you are you are like a. I'd never met like a 13 year old executive before, but that's what you are. Like you came out of the womb with an Eagle poster that said achieve. And ever since then you've been collecting like, like quotes and like, like sometimes you got to get over a a piece of water and you got to make a bridge. And that's what we're going to do today, folks. (laughs) Just like leadership one-on-one, just like, like just so many books on the wall that are those things that like you'd give your dad for Christmas and he'd go, thanks tiger, you know, but except for his dad's giving them to Barrett. This is great. <laughs> oh and, God. And really raised a good kid. The third thing is, yeah, there you go. And the third thing is all projects. Does have, your mom, hold on. Does your mom listen to the show? Uh, I think she does on occasion. 
Anne, if you're listening, you raised a really good kid. <laughs> and um, I'm Chase. I can't wait to meet you. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Barrett, stop him before he uh, offends your mom. The third thing is that all projects are made up of many projects. And when you break them down into many projects, it means that you can assign them to different people. Mini or do- many? Mini, mini, M-I-N-I. Uh-huh. And Herpes. Herpes. when you have <laughs> mini projects and you give them to people, now they're responsible and you can hold them accountable because when you sit in a room with 10 people or however many people and you try and design by committee, that is miserable for everyone involved and the end product is shit. So don't do that. Assign do people Whoa. specific mini projects and, and let them I go take do it. it back. I take it back. And your son Sorry that you is had to a listen sailor. To that. Surly. I learned boys. it from these two. I say. Um, so don't design by committee. Give people tasks or mini projects and let them go do it. And then come back and do a round of feedback and let the group, you know, respond to whatever it is they created. And then let that person go back and fix what they think needs to be fixed and come back with a final product. One thing I learned from Seth Godin when I worked for him was... Uh, Gotta drop the Seth name. Here we I go. Know, I'm, so impor- I'm so good oh, at design. I am so good at design. one time I worked with Seth Godin. Yeah, I did. I'm kidding. I love it, though. Let's do that every time <laughs> you mention Seth's name. I am dedicated a, to this. We need a, uh, a little sound that goes off. Oh, you guys, I got a bell. I got a bell that was given to us by a listener, and I'm going to tell you all about it next time I have a chance to use it. Excellent. And um, if you want a quick read about managing teams productively, um, there's a book called Peopleware, and it's kind of about software projects. Um, this is something that like every manager at Microsoft had to read, I think, for a while. Uh, Peopleware, Productive Projects and Teams, it's a little paperback, it's a pretty quick read. Um, nice. But the idea is uh, just you know how to manage people and how to give them the space physically and intellectually that they need, um, you know, with your strategic direction, basically. Barrett, keep going with the with the uh, Seth bit. Yeah, so this is the last little point. What I loved about that project was that everyone got their little chunk and they went off and worked on it or worked in pairs together to get it done. And then brought it back, presented it as if it were a final product. We would get feedback from Seth. You'd go incorporate what you think needed to be incorporated. You'd come back, present again. And you never feel like it's done. You never feel like it's perfect. You never feel like it's all the way where it should be. But Seth knew the exact point to say, that's great. Move on. Go do something else important. So it was like, let that piece go. Let it be done. And now get something else done. And I love that about it because it meant that we were productive all the time. Nice work. Nice work. Okay, let's get one more in here. This one is from Dave C. Are you ready for this? Let's get into it. Hey, guys. This is Dave C., uh, fellow Fizzler, uh, finally calling in to ask you guys a question directly uh, via the, the voice messaging here. Anyways, I've got a site, a uh, camping site that I've been working on that started out as like a niche site, you know, and, uh, after being a fizzler for a while, I've learned a lot more about, you know, building businesses and things like that. So, um, kind of trying to think about building this into an authority site, but I had this other idea about this environmental consulting, uh, website that I really am passionate about and want to get going. And I just kind of wondering wh- when do I know when I can move away from my, uh, camping site or at least kind of get it on autopilot 
um, and move into the other one? Or can I just start, you know, the environmental uh, restoration site, get the website up and moving, and just have people, you know, start generating some, uh, you know, some feedback and things like that. So I guess that's my big question. Can I do two websites? I have my normal nine to five job, which I'm actually going to right now. Uh, as a uh, 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 fisheries uh, biologist, so uh, it's a great job, but I'm just trying to, you know, I want to make this online business my thing. Um, it's my goal, and uh, that's what I got for you guys. Uh, you're awesome. Uh, all three of you guys I've, I've chatted with, you've been super helpful. Um, I hope to provide more value for everybody on the, the Fizzle Network. So uh, have a good one. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Dave. Uh, what do you, what do you guys think? This this sounds a lot like the, the first question, right? Yeah. Sort of along the same lines, except uh I like Dave's, um, his direction seems more like he's just ready to do it. And he just wants to know, is this a dumb thing to try to do two things at once while also doing a nine to five job? Um, And I like the specific specificity of it, this environmental consulting. I don't know. Maybe that's a thing that happens all the time, but it sounds like a very, I've talked with Dave here, here in Portland before, and it just sounded like a very specific, uh, I just like the angle on it. Like, I, I'm always, I always get excited anytime I hear something that I haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who is not talking about all the things that there are so many uh, sites out there about, and then you hear something, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, great idea. You know, and I have no idea of what, if there's anybody searching for these sorts of things. But if, uh, but it, I like it that it sounds different, it sounds unique, it sounds niche, it sounds small enough to make a dent in or make some sort of an incision into. Yeah. So what, what do you think? So I guess the question is just should he start the other site or when, when does he have enough information to know if he should start the other site? And I, yeah. and we don't know all the details in terms of like, you know, what does starting the site mean and does it mean that he's busy right away with things or what? Um, I always like to think that, I can really only do like two things really well at a t- at one time. It's really mm-hmm. difficult to do three or four things well at once. And um, you've said before, Chase, that every yes is basically a no to other things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Dave needs to realize that if he starts his other site, he is saying no to certain things that he would probably otherwise want to do with his other site, the one that's already operating, the the camping niche site. Um, it doesn't mean that he shouldn't. Uh, and in fact, you know, every, every successful project that I've done started as a side project, you know, something that I'm like, uh, I just really can't get that out of my mind. So I need to go ahead and do it and see where it goes. And then a lot of times those things just ended up having more momentum than the thing I was already working on. And if I had never done the side project, you know, it never would have happened. And I, I also love side projects because it gives you a little bit of safety. You've already got this thing going. You know that it's successful to some degree. And um, by doing a side project, that means you don't have to give up the other thing and you always have it there to fall back on because just like I've had several side projects take off and become more successful than the thing that I was doing, I've had even more, plenty more side projects that just totally flopped either because it was a bad idea or because I got you know a month or two into it and realized it was dumb uh, of me to try for a number of reasons. Um, a lot of times just because uh, I wasn't all that interested in, in it once I figured out all the details. So I'm a big fan of side projects. Don't start three at once, but uh, if you want to start one at a time in addition to something you're already doing, then I don't see any problem with it. Yeah, and I would say uh, that Dave, I mean, there is no there is no proper time. Your, your question at the end, I mean, can I just start doing this other one alongside the current one and my nine-to-five job? Uh, that's a That's a real serious question. Uh, I would ask, you know, like, do you, do you need, 
I guess, yeah, I, I would. I, I think there's a lot of, of overlap with that first question. I, I find myself wanting to say the same things, like which which one are you going to enjoy more? Which one is going to have a, a bigger market from from the start or a bigger potential market? Which one are you going to be able to see most impact in quicker, do you think? I mean, these are all just questions you have to guess at. And then you can devise some some experiments maybe to see. What? You know, like in one of our favorite experience, or, or, or at least, I don't even I want to say it's a favorite experiment. It's a favorite experiment I've heard, and I haven't even done it before, right? Where you just, you start by, you, you create a landing page, one for each of these, and you run some ads and see which one ends up getting the button clicked more once they land on the landing page. Which one ends up driving more traffic? Uh, which one ends up driving more traffic for less money? Because that means there's less competition in that space. There's a handful of things you can just, and even those are just guesstimates, but then you have a little bit of, a little bit of, of the hard data to, for your soul. You're, you're like, your, your soul, it's like longing for something to grasp onto. Now you've got at least a little couple handholds and those pieces of confidence end up being so important, I think, in the long run. What do you think, Barrett? Uh, so I've gotten, I have a little bit of a cheat code here because Dave and I have gotten to talk on the phone and in the forum. So I kind of know some background and context with this. Oh, what this feels like to me, Dave, is that you started this camping site as kind of like your first foray into on, the online business world. And it was exciting and you kind of figured out how to do a bunch of things in the process. And you're interested in camping because you enjoy it personally but you don't see it being the long-term thing that you want to pursue as compared to this other environmental consulting opportunity, but you feel guilty because of the work you've already done on the camping site to just let that go. My recommendation, if it, but just remove all filters is like, let it go and go do the environmental consulting let it go. thing. Let it go. You didn't need that camping website anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Whew. I think either thing could work. <laughs> Corbett goes, whew. <laughs> either thing could work. And I think that uh, if you're feeling inclined to go the envir- environmental consulting route, I think you should just let the camping site sit still for a while and go figure out if this consulting route is going to work for you. Let it go. Oh, man. Don't just say let that it go. Word. I swear to God, don't even. Didn't say- need the camping website anymore. <laughs> I swear to God, I can't hear that phrase anymore without immediately going, let it go, let it go, you don't need that stupid sign anymore, you don't need a peanut butter sandwich anymore. It just works for anything. (laughs) You're going deep into the paint, that's the score. Wow. And now it's turning into, now it's turning into, but I won't do that. I have been Chase Warman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. Uh, I've been Baird Brooks. <laughs> You're such a f***ing executive. <laughs> uh, I've been Baird Brooks. <laughs> I haven't enjoyed it, but I have been Baird Brooks. <laughs> so there you had it. Our thanks to Jamie, Sean, James, and Dave for your questions. We absolutely love hearing from you. Dear listener, man, woman, other, we love hearing from you. If you have a question to ask, we, I know you do. We want we want to help you out. You're dealing with something. You're struggling with something. So just go to fizzleshow.co slash ask. Click the little record button and, and come through and, and 
pristine, crystal clear, stereosonic sound. Uh, I would love to hear from you. Uh, I hope you I hope you get the guts and, and just do it. Or you can shoot us an email at heyguys at fizzle.co. You can get the show notes of today's show at fizzleshow.co slash 81. That's F-I-Z-Z-L-E show.co slash 81. Including a link to Justin Jackson's words post, which is sensational. And uh, my Filson bag review, where I do the little uh, the drumbeat thing underneath. Do you like how I did that there in the episode? I thought it was a nice little touch. Uh, here's, a little, here's, a, here's a little bit of, uh, of a nice touch. Uh, speaking of touches... A review from, from James, whose question we answered on the show today. He says, You f***ers gave my kids their dad back. I started with Fizzle last January. I knew I was leaving my job. Fast forward to now, I've already exceeded my income from my old job. And I'm also working on work that I feel is important for people I really care about. I've launched a site inspired by Fizzle called GoCamp.pro which is the first of its kind in our industry. In addition, I've booked more than $20,000 in client work and speaking opportunities for the next six months, and the other membership site I run now generates over about around $10,000 a month, split two ways. My kids actually know me again. My wife has launched her business, and each of us is working half-time while parenting half-time. Thanks again, f***ers. Good job changing lives and whatnot. Sincerely, James, from a desk in my house with my kids laughing downstairs. Oh, what a great email. Thank you, James. Gosh, darn it. Such a great piece of digital stuff. Listen, if you like this show, maybe share it with someone. That would be so helpful for us. You can leave us a review on iTunes as well. That helps. Maybe drop an inside joke or two. Barrett, the new one, as the uh, 13-year-old executive is a good place to start. What poster do you think <laughs> Barrett, Barrett had on his wall <laughs> when he was in junior high? Oh, God. Passion, success, balance, drum beats. We covered a lot of stuff here today. And uh, just so you know, we're absolutely exploring this stuff just like you are. We have, it's kind of, we're literally like kids trying to figure this whole thing out. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks. I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.